millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Discover North Korea, the podcast where I attempt to bust all the myths surrounding this apparently super secretive state by chatting about all things North Korea, including everything apart from what you might usually hear on the media, from North Korea's best coffee shops to its best landscapes, and the topic today, internet in North Korea, something that most people think it doesn't exist at all, right? And something that actually has to be broken down into two parts, because there are inherently two different things that we talk about when we talk about internet in North Korea. The first one would be the local internet in North Korea, or rather I should say intranet, because the internet in North Korea technically does not exist, but also it does, because that'll be our next topic that we'll chat about today, is accessing the internet in North Korea, and that's what you know, we know as www.things, like the World Wide Web, right? Um, so you can access that in North Korea, um, and I'm going to go through how you do that today. Um, but also, mainly, it's very limited and you can't really access it, or at least locals can't. So um, a little bit confusing, but definitely has to be broken down into those two things today. And that's what we'll be working through. So before we start, I want to say thank you for coming back once again. If you haven't already, please do remember to like, subscribe, follow me, um, rate this podcast, whatever platform that you're listening on. This podcast is available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple. Um, I've also been uploading it to YouTube as well. So if you are watching from YouTube, hello and thank you for um, putting me and my picture on your screens for the next hour. Um, I might start doing, um, especially when I have guests, I might start doing like um, actual video podcasts, uh, just basically videos of me talking at you, um, but with guests on the screen too. So um, 
a bit more visual on YouTube it might get in the next few weeks, but let's see how that goes. If you don't already follow me on all of my other social media platforms as well, and if you're new to this podcast and the whole Discover North Korea and Zoe Discovers thing, then welcome. I basically try to expand the narrative on North Korea with all of these platforms. If you don't already, you can follow me on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram and my handle is at Zoe Discovers or at Zoe Discovers NK. You can also email me on Zoe Discovers at gmail.com if you have any questions, if you have any guest recommendations, if you want to be a guest, let me know. I'm very welcoming and um, I love having guests on the show. Uh, at least you don't have to just listen to me blabble on for the next hour or 50 minutes alone. <laughs> it's always more fun with guests, right? Um, I do have a few exciting guests lined up. Actually, this is episode eight. Um, episode 10, we've got a fun guest that I keep talking about. That's Greg. We're going to chat about Air Choreo. And then also episode 15, recorded that one uh, a couple of weeks ago. So um, yeah, way ahead with the guests, actually. It's going to be fun. Um, but for now, it's just me. And uh, let's get into this, this episode. Episode eight, does North Korea have internet? And uh, how can you use it? So I mentioned that this episode is going to be split into two parts. And calling it internet and intranet is a little bit tricky. Uh, they sound very similar. And calling it the tourist internet and the local internet is also kind of problematic. So I am going to call them from now on by their names um, or by their providers, at least. Um, so the first one is Link, And that will, from now on, refer to the... 3G internet, foreigners use it, um, it's the normal kind of internet uh, as we know it and understand it, okay? That's Koryolink. And then the next one is Kwangmyong. And Kwangmyong is, uh, that refers to the inter, uh, intranet, see this is why I have to, <laughs> have to do it, I, I'm even getting confused. So that's the intranet, that is North Korea's version of the internet. Um, and... From now on, that's how I'm going to refer to these parts. And um, we're going to start off with Kwangmyong. So if you don't really understand what an internet is or um, know what that might entail, then do not fear because that's what we're about to go through now. So hopefully in 20 minutes time, you will be much more the wiser. Although the chances are pretty low of getting onto North Korea's Kwangmyong intranet, the reasons for which we'll talk about shortly. So for this episode, we are actually mainly going to concentrate on the internet in North Korea, which is Koryolink, because I guess most people are interested to hear that, you know, whether they can get onto Facebook or post a photo and tag it in on Instagram um, and set the location as Pyongyang whilst you're there and, you know, send your family and friends a message on WhatsApp saying, um, hey, greetings from Pyongyang, stuff like that. Um, you know, I guess that's what you guys are most interested in, you can do that. Um, but just bear with me whilst we chat about Kwangmyong because um, it is a pretty interesting and important topic when we are talking about internet access in North Korea. Of course, first we are going to chat about the North Koreans and their access to the int intranet, to uh, the internet. So firstly, can North Koreans access the internet? Internet, okay, I mean our internet, uh, foreign internet, foreign outside world internet. Yes, to some extent they can, but generally no. And the reason I say yes to some extent is because there are some people in North Korea that can access the internet as we know it. So that's the foreign internet. Um, 
This includes, for example, our partners who we keep in touch with via email. We can also call them as well. Um, but yeah, we will email them. Um, we don't send massive files because their internet is expensive. Uh, we're going to talk about just how much that costs shortly. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll email them and stuff. So for business purposes, at least our partners, um, travel partners, they can access the internet. There is also a few like kind of select people with permission that can access internet. I suppose that would be high-ranking officials. There are also like a few um, online DPRK propaganda accounts and stuff like that. Um, and they obviously access Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, Kim Jong-un himself also accesses Twitter. So there is internet access in North Korea, but it's extremely limited to only um, a select few people. It's also um, used by like it's also used by, um, you know, other government offices. It's also used by, you know, academic institutes, um, such as the Pyongyang University of Science and Technology, PUST, PUST for, for short. Um, it's an interesting institute in itself. So maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do a show on, um, on all of these institutes in, um, in North Korea and all the, all the universities, if that would be interesting, let me know. All of these channels are obviously monitored when you go, but sometimes internet in North Korea is accessed for educational purposes. There are also various DPRK websites that you can access, um, but mainly you can't access them because... Kwangmyong is a closed system. That's the intranet. It's a closed system. And I'm about to get onto that, but I'll just finish this little bit on the internet in North Korea that the locals use. There are some North Korean websites that are not part of this closed system. They're part of the internet system, which means that you can access them as a foreigner. Um, they end in kp, .kp, so instead of .com or .co.uk, TW, um, wherever you are in the world, these websites end in .kp, um, and there are various websites um, that you can visit, um, government websites, propaganda websites, um, like Urimin Zokiri. Um, I'll try and put some of them in the link to the show notes. Um, I'll probably put up the um, the tourist one because there is a DPRK tourism one. Um, funnily enough, when I was researching for this episode, I visited that website for the first time in a couple of years and I realized that I am there in a few videos, um, which is uh, hilarious and terrifying. So, <laughs> um, so I will put that link there to give you an idea of what a DPRK website might look like. For those millennials out there, you might remember what a 1990s or 1980s website looks like, that's pretty much the feel that you might get from a North Korean website. But fair enough, actually, it, Taiwan and Japan give me those feels too. Like, I don't know why Japan is so advanced in like everything else apart from its websites. Every time I go on a Japanese website or Taiwanese for that matter, makes me cry a little bit inside because they are just, yeah. Anyway, you'll see what I mean if you do want to visit that DPRK one, but mainly all of the websites that North Korea has, like the majority of them, they are not available to be accessed from the outside. They're part of the closed intranet system, Kwangmyong, so you can't get into them. So Kwangmyong, what is this system that I keep talking about? It is an intranet, which means that it's an internal internet, okay? It's a closed system, 
um, and it has a limited number of websites, um, email system, and yeah, websites specifically for the North Koreans. You can't get in and you also can't get out of it. You can only access it in North Korea and tourists generally can't access it. Um, foreigners in North Korea, I guess, like if it has, you know, diplomats, officials, um, NGO workers, I guess maybe if it has to do with their business and stuff like that, like they may have permissions to access some certain things. Um, but in general, it's a system for North Koreans and it's very hard to get into and it's also very hard to get out of meaning that when I say is there internet in North Korea that's kind of why um, it's a bit difficult to explain because the North Koreans don't have access in general to our internet system they only have access to this intranet system um, but as a foreigner in North Korea you can also buy a sim card which lets you access the internet we'll get onto that in a minute it's all very complicated I hope you're following I hope I'm explaining this well firstly I want to go over the topic very quickly, very briefly, of can I bring my mobile phone into North Korea? Because most people, I mean, no, not most people, but there is a myth that goes around saying that you can't take your mobile phone into North Korea. And as with a lot of these myths in North Korea, they basically stem from like old rules. So North Korea used to be very strict. It still is very strict today, but it used to be a lot stricter than it is. And you used to not be able to take photos outside of the bus. You used to have to leave your mobile phone at the airport, stuff like this. But now um, a lot of those rules are completely obsolete and you can take photos out of the bus pretty much everywhere apart from like if you're going through checkpoints and stuff like that, military checkpoints. And the same goes for mobile phones. You can definitely take your mobile phone into North Korea, absolutely no problem. A lot of people mainly just use them to take photos because you probably won't have internet um, as we're going to speak about. Um, and also the locals have mobile phones. Um, they don't really use the internet a lot to access. I mean, they do, they have apps and stuff like that. According to some recent data, there's about 4.5 million users, um, mobile phone users in North Korea. That's about eight, an eighth of the population, if the population is somewhere around 20,000, uh, sorry, 20 million. Um, that's around eight of, an eighth of the population. Um, they also have like a kind of local Wi-Fi there called Mide, which means future, um, but you can't connect to that as a foreigner. Um, but they, they connect to that on their phones. And I think it was kind of being trialed when I first got there. There was a few spaces. You could see it on your phone, actually. Um, even on foreign phones, you could see it, but you couldn't access it. And they also have, I mean, North Korean mobile phones are just, just like every other phone. Um, they have Bluetooth, um, but basically nothing is compatible with anything. You know, I actually tried to Bluetooth um, a picture over to one of the North Koreans one time. Like, basically it was just a nice picture of us. And um, instead of what we usually do it's really awkward what we usually do is take a picture of the picture on the mobile phone screen it's really awkward um but so I saw one time that they have bluetooth and I was like hey I'm just gonna try and bluetooth this over to you uh it didn't work so never mind nothing's compatible with anything definitely you can bring your mobile phone into North Korea you can use it with internet to a certain extent which we'll talk about in a minute and um certainly the North Koreans also have mobile phones they have smartphones and they use the internet on there as well but things are a little bit different this Kwangmyong system pretty much works the same as our internet system does in every other way um, apart from the fact that it's a completely closed network. It's used for various things. It hosts a variety of information. There are thousands of North Korean websites, um, all with, you know, some of them are like propaganda websites, government websites, um, and some of them are educational websites. 
some of them also hold um, websites from the internet um, that have been, or like information from the internet that has then been downloaded and sifted through and checked for anything that's not allowed, um, censored and stuff like that, and then re-uploaded back onto the Kwangmyong intranet system. Um, so there is foreign content on there too, but um, it will be very censored. Um, what do North Koreans use this internet for? Like, everything that we might do. Um, you know, North Koreans with smartphones can access weather reports, they do messaging. Um, there's also a video conferencing system. So North Korea's answer to Zoom, um, called Rakwon, uh, obviously got very popular during the COVID-19 pandemic as well, although it has been around for about 10 years already. They have a search engine called Nayanara. Um, and... They have, you know, various science education stuff. They also have chat rooms have been pretty popular, online dating apparently, e-commerce stuff, e-banking, games. I've seen the guides play games all the time on their phones. Honestly, um, some of the phones, they look like they have been, yeah, they, they, <laughs> they just look like normal phones. Like you could, I could take that phone and take it out of North Korea and show it to you and you'd be like, okay, this is just a normal Android. Um, I think it's largely based from Huawei um, and Huawei system. They have their own versions of games, you know, their own versions of everything that we might want. For example, uh, what's that bubble game? I don't know. What's that What's that game that everyone plays? Um, Candy Crush, right? Um, they have their own version of that. I've seen that. And also last time I was there, um, the North Koreans were chatting about a food delivery app. So North Korea's answer to Uber um, or Deliveroo, whatever you have in your country, um, Uber Eats. Um, they were chatting about that, although that was just before the pandemic. So I haven't been back in to get any more information on that. And I haven't, I don't think I've seen it in any media. So who knows? And I guess guess probably COVID might have um, might have slowed things down on that front. But in general, yep, that's what the North Koreans use this internet for. Um, the access is available in various locations, but it is limited. So those with smartphones or with devices such as like, they're not iPads because they don't have Apple there, but you know, their own versions of Apple laptops. So North Koreans with their own personal items like this, they can access um, this intranet system, the Kwangmyong system, um, but for those that don't have access to their own personal devices, then they can go to their local library. Um, I think it's available um, in a few locations, but I don't want to name drop any places outside of Pyongyang, uh, just in case I get it wrong, um, but it's definitely available in the Pyongyang uh, library, the Grand People's Study House. Um, you can go there and there are also, like, various locations, but you have to, like, go to a location. And um, they also have, like, a PC bang, like a, a, what's it called? Internet cafe. An internet cafe. So they have internet cafes, too, in North Korea. Um, and you can go there and get onto the internet. These things are not as proliferous as, um, as I'm making them out to sound. Uh, you know, you don't see these things everywhere. It's not easy to access the internet, especially when you live outside Pyongyang. But, like, if you need to, you can. And... In a way, it does kind of remind me of how I grew up with the internet, um, probably revealing my age a little bit, in terms of like, you know, it's it's a bit tricky, there's like a dial-up thing, and it, obviously this is not a dial-up connection, but it's not like opening your phone and being like, oh hey, you know, there's the internet, there's everything that I need. It's more of a like, 
okay, I've got to go somewhere, or hey, this is a little bit slow, or hey, this is limited, stuff like that. It's not um, the most convenient system, but it is being developed and becoming much more proliferous over the years, especially with the amount of smartphones that are now around in North Korea. I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but um, yeah, last time I was there, which was three years ago, which is a lot in terms of technological developments, as I'm sure everyone knows, um, you know, it was kind of normal for the guides, at least, to have two phones. Um, actually, this is not really permitted, uh, but somehow they get around this. Um, <laughs> they have ways. It's just like in China, actually. Um, in China, you can only have one SIM card registered to your name. But Chinese people seem to get around this. And I also got around this in a lucky turn of events, because when I first registered my um, SIM card and a name with the SIM card, they got my name wrong um because they put my middle name as like my last name and I only found this out when I needed my phone number to match up with my name and my passport and the 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 thing that I was doing this for they called me and they were like yo none of this matches and I was like what really so then I had to go and get a new sim card in China it meant I had to it's usually not allowed but hey there you go um same thing in North Korea as well uh, but there's always ways to get around these things. So we're not going to spend much time on Kwangmyong because I have not really used it and I don't have much knowledge on it. Maybe next time I am in North Korea I can get a North Korean on the podcast. They can tell us much more about Kwangmyong and accessing it and what it's like um, but until now this will have to do. At least hopefully I've explained to some extent that the North Koreans have their own intranet closed internet system called Kwangmyong and within this system that is closed from the outside and from the inside out you can access a bunch of stuff that's um, probably not very surprising to you because it's pretty much what we use the internet for or kind of what we use the internet for 20 years ago. So now on to the tourist internet Koryolink, um, the internet as we know it, accessing that in North Korea. So usually people say that you can't access the internet in North Korea and generally that is what I say to people too because generally you won't be able to access the internet in North Korea. Despite that though I am going to spend the rest of this podcast talking about the fact that you can access the internet in North Korea. Um, I say that you can't access it because it is expensive it is so troublesome. It takes a long time to try and sort it out, to buy. Um, it's ridiculously expensive. I'll tell you exactly how much that costs shortly. Um, and, you know, it's not a thing that everyone buys. It's generally like, I don't know, you would not really buy it um, if you're just a tourist going for a couple of days. Um, I'd really re not recommend it. And also, it's really nice going to North Korea and just having a digital detox. You would be really surprised how little you need the internet in North Korea. Obviously, if you have like, if you really need the internet, I don't know, if you really need to have access to work or a family member or something like that, the option is there. But if it's like, an absolute must-have option for you, then you should tell the tour company that you go with beforehand because it really needs to be factored into the itinerary that you want to get it. And sometimes it's only possible on a um, on a private tour 
or if you really want it on a group tour or you have some emergency or something like that then you can um, swap it for an uh, some kind of itinerary item maybe you'll have to miss a museum or something like that to go and get it either way um, presume that when you go to North Korea you won't have the internet but it does exist let's take a look at it to be clear you won't have roaming on your phone in North Korea um, you won't be able to access your own internet in North Korea. There is no roaming uh, data connection. The only data connection that you might ever have in North Korea from your own SIM card is from the DMZ. You might connect accidentally to South Korean internet. If you do, then um, please don't rant and rave and shout about it. Just keep it nice and quiet and to yourself um, and check any messages that you may have. But then, um, yeah, keep that quiet. It's not really something that the North Koreans like to um, hear about and you might also have it just as you cross the border from China into North Korea you might still have it for um, the border and customs check which I talked about I think in episode six or seven as we talk about getting the train in and out of North Korea um, you might have it for a couple of hours in North Korea there but otherwise um, yeah your um, data carrier will not be able to access the internet even you know, if you've turned it to roaming. So it was in 2013 when um, 3G and internet in North Korea really kicked off. This is the Koryo link, um, and it's provided for by an Egyptian company called Orascom. Orascom? I don't know how you say it. Orascom? Um, they're also the developers of the Ryugong Hotel, the um, massive 105-story uh, hotel, uh, often called the world's tallest unoccupied building. Um, that basically massive big triangle hotel in Pyongyang. No, that is not where you're staying when you visit there. Um, it's still pretty empty inside, as far as I know. Anyway, Orascom holds 75% of Coriolink and the rest is state-owned. They've been operating since 2008. They're the first 3G provider. Actually, um, it's been 3G and like it's not super slow, but Actually, it's never slow. It's just there's a problem because it uses so much data that you run out of pocket pretty quickly. Um, but it's getting better. Um, in 2008, they were talking about moving from 3G to 4G. So, um, you know, soon there's going to be 4G in North Korea, which is pretty cool because there were some spots in London that I couldn't even find 4G. I don't know. Maybe it's just my bad internet access. But um, yeah, soon you might be able to get 4G in North Korea. By 2015, there was 3 million users for Koryolink, so that is a lot of people. The signal in North Korea is pretty, like, in Pyongyang it's pretty good. Um, you can get it throughout Pyongyang as well as a few other cities, but generally when I leave Pyongyang, I kind of presume that I will lose signal. So, um, yeah, I don't count on having signal once I've left Pyongyang, um, but it's always a nice surprise if I arrive in a city and I do have it. But it definitely in the more remote areas, um, it won't be served there, but maybe in the future it will. Um, they obviously still operate today, um, but sanctions get in the way of doing business with the with the DPRK, um, but they did get special permissions from the UN to keep this operation going. I think that was in 2018, um, but I've also mentioned difficulties profiting from this due to sanctions um, and also the North Korean government not, not relinquishing uh, profits. So, um, but that's all their fun and games to try and fix and work out. I hope that um, Oriscom never leaves the DPRK because having internet in there, well, to be honest, Having internet in there is both nice and um, 
and not at the same time because the first few times I went into North Korea um, I worked with YPT and they didn't give me a sim card to use I think I had one once but they only have one sim card I think that they share um, between all the guides um, whereas Korea tours have like various sim cards and you get one every single time you go in so it's really useful to have, um, especially the um, to be like a tour guide in North Korea. Um, it's good to be able to talk to your colleagues um, outside of North Korea, but then also if you're on tour with any colleagues, it's it's great to be able to stay in touch. So um, that's really, really helpful. Um, but at the same time, I personally am a fan of digitally detoxing sometimes. Um, so I did used to like just being completely out of it, but also... Having a SIM card in North Korea does not mean that you can access the internet in a normal way. And that's for two reasons. One, obviously it's like censored, but not as badly as you might think. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, two, oh, there's three reasons. Two, there are things that you obviously shouldn't search. Um, again, I'll get onto that in a minute. You are being monitored, obviously. Um, and three, because, and this is the biggest reason, this is what originally I was going to say, is um, that it's just too expensive. You just can't use it as you would do in normal life. Like I don't know how many gigabytes people go through on a daily basis, but like, I don't know, if I'm uploading to um, like Facebook or TikTok, TikTok takes up tons, or Instagram and stuff like that, it takes up so much data. Like if you watch YouTube on your phone, it takes up so much data. Um, and uh, and you just can't use it like that because it is ridiculously expensive. So I think it's nice to be very conscious when I'm in North Korea that I have to limit my data um, and kind of basically just use it for, for chat apps um, and to keep in touch with my emails and stuff like that. Um, so it does count as some kind of a detox from social media. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, at least. Although I have done various posts from North Korea, including a live stream over New Year's uh, 2019 to 2020. So with this Link SIM card, um, you get internet access as well as your own number. Just like any other SIM card, you get a number. Um, and with this number, you can call other Link SIM cards. But you can't use domestic internet, uh, the intranet, the one we just talked about, Kwangmyong, and you also can't call domestic numbers using the SIM card. So basically, yeah, there's one system for the locals, one system for foreigners. Um, presumably this wasn't with foreign tourists in mind, but rather um, 
you know, businessmen, but also NGOs and stuff like that. Um, it's really useful if you work there. This is why I say it's not so useful as a tourist, especially once you hear the price. It's really not useful as a tourist because you can only contact home. Um, for me, I can call my um, colleagues when I'm there, and then I can also obviously um, text them and, and keep it going um, and have that SIM card for the next time that I'm in there, stuff like that. All right, so what is it like to access the internet in North Korea, what is Link like? You may be thinking that you might have to use a VPN for stuff, um, if you don't know what a VPN is, uh, most people know what a VPN is right now, right? Um, like virtual private network, it's one of those things that um, most people, most foreigners use in China, helps you get around um, China's firewall, and it basically, um, yeah, lets you access things that you can't already access, right? So you might think you have to use a VPN, um, are you being watched, stuff like that, so I'd say the North Korean internet access is pretty good, um, but you are being monitored. RSCOM actually, um, yeah, they admitted that in since at least 2019, um, uh, so 2009, the North Korean government have been monitoring um, the internet, which is not surprising at all. You are in North Korea. But to be honest, I was surprised when I first started using that internet what I could um, access because genuinely... Um, it was easier to access a lot of websites than in China. Like, bearing in mind that I had just come from China, which bans um, pretty much everything useful, uh, Google, and that includes Gmail, uh, Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that. When I started working in North Korea back in 2018, none of this was banned, but... Um, they did then start to be banned and like, things get banned sporadically and then also lifted and stuff like that, so you know, you just can't count on anything. I remember there was a period um, that I went in and WeChat was banned. And now WeChat is the Chinese-like version of WhatsApp. And I can imagine how many annoyed Chinese users that must have gone in, um, like businessmen and stuff like that, that must have gone into North Korea thinking, because they use WeChat like for everything, right? Also for money transfers and stuff like that. So I can just imagine how annoyed these Chinese businessmen must have been when they went to North Korea and realized, hey, I can't access my WeChat. I don't know why they did that for a certain time period. Um, and Chinese people generally don't have VPNs on their phones. Um, and it's incredibly hard to download a VPN when you're already in North Korea. Um, so yeah, that must have been annoying. Instagram then got banned. Uh, Google was never banned um, when I was there, at least since 20, January 2020, Google was not banned. Um, but, you know, you can't really count on on anything. So whilst I would say that the internet is more open than in China, um, I think that's probably just because they haven't caught up with censoring everything. Um, and they, I think that, you know, they monitor it more than in China, I would say. Like, obviously, your internet is being monitored in China, but it's harder to keep tracks of, like, everyone. Whereas in North Korea, you know, you've got a registered SIM card. You're one of the very few foreigners that does. Um, so it's kind of easier to track what you're doing, right? They do also block websites, um, like for example, some South Korean websites, some anti-DPRK um, websites, and pornographic websites as well. Either way, whether the website is blocked or not, you are in North Korea, and you should remember that you're in North Korea, and you should remember that you're being monitored, um, and anything that is banned in North Korea, I can't remember which episode I spoke about that, but um, I did speak about the things that are banned in North Korea, like how straight North Korea is, I think it's episode 3. Um, Anything that is banned in North Korea, you also shouldn't search for it or try to get it through the internet, okay? Like, don't be searching for Bibles and religious material on the internet. 
whilst you're in North Korea. I don't know how much you'd be penalized if you did. I doubt that, like, you know, if you just typed it into Google, um, I doubt that the authorities would be right on you. But, uh, you know, if you were frequently searching for this stuff or um, if you were typing in some, like, anti-North Korea stuff, um, stuff like that, um, obviously the website would be blocked. So that would be the first thing that would come up. But I'm sure that if it happened um, several times or, like, maybe even just once, I have no idea what this system is like. So just best to not try and get hold of anything that is otherwise banned in North Korea and you should already be aware of things that are banned in North Korea and if not um yeah have a listen to um to the episode how strict is North Korea otherwise Koryo Link is really pretty fine like I said before um it's 3G moving to 4G um it can be slow very expensive but you know it's getting better and to be honest it's not that it's slow that is the main problem it's it's just the expenses and therefore like for me I always turn my phone to completely low data mode um I pretty much like log out of all of my apps and stuff so that my phone hardly does any background stuff um I make sure that everything is uploaded to the cloud already so that um you know if I'd accidentally forgotten to turn off like um, the photos uploading to cloud or something like that, my entire data allowance would be gone just in a flash, like literally within seconds. Um, and then I'd have to buy some more and spend a lot of money doing so. So I, I basically make sure that my phone is in low data mode and that I've logged out of everything or everything is finished uploading, blah, 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 blah. I will also use various tricks in order to save data um, or in order at least to not keep data on um, the whole day. Actually, I will usually turn off data um, so that I know that nothing's going on in the background um, and then like maybe do social media stuff in the evening, um, upload some Instagram stories, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, make sure that automatic downloading is off um, for WhatsApp if anyone's sending me any pictures or videos. That's another good point though that, um, you know, you want to make sure if you're going to have internet in North Korea, you want to make sure you've told your friends and family, hey, I'm in North Korea, please don't send me any Kim Jong-un memes because that would not be great. Um, these things are also not allowed in North Korea and you should check your phone beforehand, but also make sure that no one's sending you these things during your trip too. Um, you might forget that they're on your phone or, you know, you might open your phone on the bus and um, the guide next to you is um, you're showing them something on your phone and then that pops up really not cool <laughs> so mainly I will just use the internet there for whatsapp uh, to keep in touch with people um, to keep in touch with my colleagues when I'm there um, to keep into like keep on top of emails like if I'm doing some work of an evening um, in the hotel and um, and yeah I do do social media stuff um, but that eats up so much money. <laughs> I'm. I think I'm like the only person that does a lot of social media stuff in Corio Tours, um, because I guess that's my role in the company. Um, and so I will try and keep up with stories and posting things like that whilst I'm in the country. Um, it's always nice to get kind of like live content, but it does come at a big, big price. Um, so let's chat about that now. How much is it to get a Corio Link SIM card? So there are a few places that you can purchase a Coriolink SIM card, but only a few. Uh, the main ones are at the airport when you arrive. So if you're coming by train, this is obviously not an option. Um, 
There is also the Coriolink store. They have a physical store in Pyongyang. Um, and then also at the Potonggang Hotel, um, they have like a Coriolink counter where you can buy them from. Now, all three of these places, apart from maybe the Coriolink store, that's more of a kind of guarantee because it's an actual physical store. Um, but Potonggang Hotel and the airport, you can't guarantee that there is going to be staff there or that the shop is open. You know, there is not so much traffic going through Potonggang Hotel and there's not so much traffic going through the airport. So the workers are only going to be there when there's a flight coming in, right? Or at the hotel, they may only be there kind of sporadically. Obviously, if there's tons of people staying there, they might stay there the whole day. But generally, um, they don't stay there. I guess they might go back to the office, stuff like this. So you want to, if you want to purchase a local SIM card, um, then the best way is to um, tell as I mentioned before, tell your um, tour company that you want to do that so that the guides can call in advance and make sure that the ladies um, from Coriolink are going to be there to help you buy the SIM card. Um, and if you do that at the airport, that's obviously the easiest and best way and the quickest way. You can get online straight away. Um, but you might not be coming through the airport or you might not have time at the airport stuff like that. So um, yeah, you can visit the um, areas in Pyongyang, but do make sure to tell your DPRK guides as well, especially if you're on a private tour and you haven't like got a Western tour guide with you, tell your guides as soon as you land um, because there could be like a lack of communication, miscommunication and like um, your Western tour company might not have um, got it through to the DPRK tour company or the DPRK tour company might not have passed it down to your specific guides that you wanted to buy some cards. So anyway, just let them know straight away and so they can plan around the itinerary because, um, like I said, the opening hours and whether people are going to be there is tricky um, and they also want to plan around your itinerary to make sure, hey, um, you know, let's not miss anything out. Um, so they want to visit the office um, when they are around that area, right? And when you go to purchase this SIM card, you will need several things. So um, actually, mainly just two things. You will need, no, you'll, okay, so you'll need your phone, obviously. You will need your passport, and then you will also need um, 250 euros <laughs> as the starting fee. But actually, you'll need a little bit more than that. Um, so the reason why you need your passport, and you might think this is problematic because the guides will take your passport as soon as you get to North Korea, so unless you are getting at the airport, then your guides will have to bring their pa your passport with them to get the SIM card. Don't worry, they know this, they will remember it, but you know, you can always just mention it to them like, hey, have you got my passport? Because um, it gets registered in your name. Um, so yeah, it costs 250 euro, um, but that... <laughs> That's just for the SIM card. That tiny little little piece of chip and plastic, that is 250 euro. That's without any data, without any subscription fee, without usage costs. And it requires prepayment and you need to keep it topped up. So the monthly subscription fee is around 20 euros per month. And that includes 200 free minutes and um, two other phones. Um, and actually that's it. <laughs> you then, as on top of this, um, in the monthly subscription fee, obviously, by the way, if you are only planning to use it once, you don't have to pay the subscription fee to keep it alive. Like, we at Coriotors pay this fee so that we don't have to keep buying new SIM cards. Obviously, that's 250 euros, right? Um, so we just pay the subscription fee to keep these, um, SIM cards active. 
Um, you will only need to pay it once because um, you, you know, if you only plan to go there once. Um, and now you're probably going to want to buy data because <laughs> you, the minutes are probably not interesting to you at all. Who do you want to call in North Korea? So um, then you have to spend about 20 euros per 50 megabytes. Yes, that is megabytes, not gigabytes. I did say it was expensive, right? So on a normal day or on a normal trip, I say that I would spend, on a five-day trip, I could spend 60 euros easily, like easily. And that is with my limited data usage. That's with me knowing that I need to watch out, knowing only to um, open certain apps, to definitely not open other apps, um, to be very, very careful with how I'm using it. You can spend easily like 100 euros a day, I'm sure, um, considering that it is just 50 megabytes um, of internet that you get for 20 euros. So, yeah, you're looking at about 300 euros um, on top of your trip if you want a North Korean SIM card. And obviously, like, I don't actually spend 60 euros every time. Um, I'd say that's on average. Um, but if there's not much going on, if I don't really need to post about the trip, then I'm just using it for messaging and Gmail and stuff like that, then I will, you know, I'll top it up 20 euros and that's pretty much fine. That'll last me the whole time, generally, if it's just a couple of days tour. Um, but yeah, if it's like a big tour and it's really interesting, like one of the holidays and stuff like that, then I'll want to be posting about it and be doing some live stuff. So that's why it costs some more. Another thing you should also be prepared for when getting this SIM card is you actually have to have a lot of time because it's despite the, the lack of queue that you'll probably find there, there probably won't be many people um, either place. Um, actually, to be fair, if you're getting at the airport and there's like five or six people in the group that want it, then yeah, it's going to take a long time because it can take anywhere from like five minutes to 30 minutes per person, to be honest. Um, there's loads of paperwork, there's loads of processing and payments and stuff like that. Um, it's really not ideal. And this is why, like, we say to tourists, like, it's really not worth it. One, it's so expensive, and two, like, it's just so inconvenient and takes up so much time. And um, so you might be stuck at the airport for, like, an extra hour waiting for everyone to do it, which, you know, is fine if everyone wants to do it, but um, yeah, if, and, and this is also why you might have to skip an itinerary item if you do want to, on a group tour, if you want to, in Pyongyang, go to the Air Courier office or the Potongang Hotel and get one, because, yeah, it, it takes a long time. And then you've also got to consider going there and coming back and stuff, so really, you know, it can take, like, an hour or two to get yourself a SIM card. Is it worth it for just getting online? Um, you're gonna miss out a lot of your tour. Yeah, for me, it's not worth it for tourists, um, but it is worth it since, for me, but it is worth it for someone who keeps going back there. And you should also remember that you are only going to have access in Pyongyang. And most tours, you know, if you're going on like a four or five day tour, a lot of that tour will not be spent in Pyongyang. So there really is not much point getting the SIM card for you. Something else that might interest you, though, is another way to get on the internet in North Korea, and that is through Wi-Fi. That is way easier, kind of. Um, you just have to know where to find the spots in North Korea that you can get Wi-Fi, because, contrary to popular opinion, there is Wi-Fi in North Korea, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about in this section before we finish. So, to date, um, 
well, to the last time that I was there in January 2020, there are three known access points of Wi-Fi in North Korea. I will go over those in a second. It's not the quickest or the best access. Um, it uses the Coriolink, um, so it's pretty much the same access that Coriolink has. It's surprisingly good, like it's not the best, but I have been on much worst Wi-Fi um, in several locations all over the world. So, you know, you might be surprised how good it is. So these three locations that you can get Wi-Fi at are um, the airport, but only in the departures lounge, which really annoys me because I don't know, like, okay, maybe it's kind of useful if you're departing and you want to I don't know, tell if you're waiting at the airport and you're doing business and you want to keep in touch with the world and you're bored or you got there very early, maybe it's useful. But for me, it's not very useful. I'm about to get back into the world anyway. Why would I need it? Um, you can get it at the Potongang Hotel. Um, and this Potongang Wi-Fi is similar to how the um, Pyongyang Airport Wi-Fi works. So basically what happens is, is you buy a little piece of paper slip. It's kind of like one of those like password pieces of paper. And then you log into it, you use that password, password and then you get it for like 30 minutes or an hour or something. I can't remember. I think that's what the airport is. And at Potongang Hotel, you can only buy 10 minutes. <laughs> so um, it's funny sometimes if you're on a long tour and um, tourists really want to you know just have some wi-fi access just have some normality for like 10 minutes we go to the Potongang hotel there's a cafe there you can just sit in the cafe and you can imagine for those 10 minutes no one is speaking to each other um, and obviously you can you can buy another 10 minute one and another 10 minute one you can sit there for 30 minutes if you want you can sit there for an hour um, it's just quite frustrating that you have to keep logging back in logging back out um, so you know there is the option in Pyongyang to go to the Potongang hotel if you really need it or need a quick 10 minute fix but again you can do that on a private tour if you want to do that on a private tour let your tour guides know if you want to do it on a group tour, then, you know, sorry, it has to be a unanimous group decision. You can't be going off doing your own itinerary items on a group tour. Um, and adding something like a stop at the Potongang Hotel. It may sound like a 10-minute stop if you just want to use 10 minutes, but you've got to factor in driving there, um, setting everyone up. It's, you know, it's going to be an hour or two, right, um, once you've sorted out everything. The third spot is the Pyongyang Casino in the Yangakto Hotel. And now... This is probably the most convenient and the most inconvenient spot because basically it's not Wi-Fi to be used as Wi-Fi. Um, there is a casino in the Yangakta Hotel in the basement and this is very, very popular with Chinese tourists um, because gambling and casinos and stuff are not permitted in China. So, you know, this is why they go to Macau and stuff like that um, across the border and they love casinos. Wherever there's a casino, there will probably be Chinese people, right? And so Chinese people in like in China, the main way to pay for something is through WeChat. You know, it's actually very strange in China to carry around cash with you. Like honestly, like I hardly ever see cash in China and I love this. I find it very convenient. It's kind of started to happen, I don't know, in other countries, but at least in the UK, I actually hardly saw cash as well. I was just using my card on like on my phone. Um, but WeChat is incredibly convenient. And I think that's why so many people use it. Uh, you just scan a QR code or someone scans you and takes that money. It's, it's very, very good. And so I think this is why the casino set up the Wi-Fi so that the Chinese people who are betting, they can maybe use the money there. 
but also I don't know how it then gets into North Korea. I have no idea. Either way, maybe maybe the Chinese people just really wanted Wi-Fi or were complaining that there was no Wi-Fi. I have no idea. Either way, it is not like a place to go and get Wi-Fi. It is for the casino users. And it's only been kind of recently, and I say recently, um, that means like up until 2020, um, before that, that the casino kind of started to get onto the fact like, oh, okay, Western tourists now know that we have Wi-Fi here and they just keep like coming down here and standing around and using our Wi-Fi. Um, so obviously they got pretty annoyed with this. So now in order to use the Wi-Fi, you have to place a minimum bet. And like, this is no you know, there's no rule on this, it's not like a written rule, but they're not gonna let you just access the Wi-Fi. You have to go there with the intention of using the casino. Um, and, you know, several people have gone down there and tried to access the Wi-Fi. And they've they've all told me different things. They've all come back and they said, you know, they 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 made me place a minimum bet of twenty US dollars or twenty euros or something like that. So, you know, you will have to pay for that internet access. Um, but I've also heard that it's pretty good. So don't count the Pyongyang Casino as somewhere with Wi-Fi access, but it does have Wi-Fi access and it if you are if you can convince people down there that you want to actually play in the casino um, and then sneakily look at your phone sometimes, then um, hey, you can use that. Otherwise you will be kicked out. But yes, there are only these three spots for Wi-Fi in North Korea. So again, just like the SIM card, um, it's not a given. Um, when you go on your tour to North Korea, still just presume that you won't have access in North Korea. Make sure you tell your friends and family. Um, and then if you have access, it's like a bonus. And believe it or not, there is actually one more way that you can access the internet in North Korea, and that is at some hotels. Now, some hotels offer internet in the form of like an ethernet cable. And it's, it's very inconvenient, again, surprise, surprise, because most people, like, there are very few people that access the internet like this, right? Also, it's not a given. You have to pay for it. It costs extra, um, and, you know, there's no way to connect through it through Wi-Fi, um, so you'd have to bring an Ethernet cable with you, and then you'd also have to be going to one of these three hotels. Um, as far as I know, um, it's the Hyangsang Hotel in Mount Myohyang, the Masik Ryong Hotel near Wonsan, that's the skiing one. Um, I have a video that shows that hotel actually, it's very luxurious. Um, you can have a look, it's my skiing video on YouTube. And then the Majon Hotel in Hamhung. So these do offer in-room internet connectivity, which is pretty cool, but yeah, you'll need an ethernet cable for that. And I've also never used it myself, so I can't vouch for how good or not it is. At some of these hotels, you will also be able to make international calls. Um, most hotels in North Korea actually offer international calls. Um, they will have like an international communication center um, or from your hotel room. Like they can help you dial from your hotel room. Make sure to check the cost of the international call before you do it because you might decide against it. It's actually not super expensive, um, but you can make international calls. Most places allow it. Um, I again, generally just used for emergencies or just for, you know, being able to say like, hey, I called my mum from North Korea, it's kind of cool thing. Um, otherwise, um, and yeah, for, for emergencies, if you do have an emergency in North Korea, unfortunately, this happened on one of my tours where um, someone had a family emergency and they knew 
um, sorry, their family knew that they were coming with Choreo Tours. And so they basically contacted Choreo Tours, who contacted me when I was on tour because I had my SIM card. So they contacted me and they said, hey, can you um, make, you know, this tourist um, call home from the international, you know, call center um, because, you know, she has a family emergency. Um, so that did happen once. So, you know, if you do have an emergency in North Korea, don't worry, like, anyone can contact Courier Tours or the tour provider that you're going with who can then contact their, their in-country staff. Even if I didn't have a, a SIM card, you know, if it was an emergency, Courier Tours could contact KRTC, our partners, and then they could pass on the message to me. So there's always a way. So, you know, don't worry about that. Um, but yeah. In general, in North Korea, you are going to be completely off the grid um, and it's going to be lovely. Really, it's so surprising how little you need your phone when you're in an environment where you don't need your phone. And I think that's one thing that I really learned in North Korea. So, like, I love not using my phone, but where I live and the society that I'm part of and my job and my study and everything, it requires me to use a phone, right? Um, and so that's why I do so much. However, I do limit my usage. But in North Korea, I really like it because you really don't need to use it. You know, you're too busy to use it anyway. And it's just nice being in that environment that doesn't require it of you. Because I think it's all very well saying you're going to have a social media detox and stuff like this. But when society requires it of you to use your phone so much, it's very hard to do that. Um, so you can put yourself in an environment that doesn't and you will reap the benefits of um, not being glued to your phone all the time. So that pretty much concludes the episode today. Um, maybe a little bit shorter than usual. Thank you very much for coming back and for joining me. I hope it kind of answers some questions on the internet in North Korea. Just to kind of sum it up, there are two different systems. One is for the locals, one is for the foreigners. The local system is called Kwangmyong, that is an intranet, a closed system. And then the um, other system is for foreigners usage, uh, apart from some, you know, high up officials and stuff like that in North Korea. And that is provided for by Koryolink, which is a, um, a joint venture between North Korea and an Egyptian company called Arascom. Um, who owns 75% of those shares and it's pretty decent moving from 3G to 4G but generally when you're on a tour to North Korea presume that you will not have internet for your entire time unless you do plan to buy that sim card and even if you do buy that sim card then you might not have internet straight away. So thank you very much for joining me during this time and I hope you come back next week when we will be discussing another topic, another question, another theme on North Korea. And whilst you're here, no matter what platform you are listening on, please do give me a like, give me a rating, subscribe. If you're on YouTube, then make sure to leave a comment. I don't know if you can leave comments on other areas. This podcast can be found on all of your podcast platforms. If it's not, then let me know. And if you do have any questions, any topics you want me to cover, any guest recommendations, if you want to be a guest on this podcast, just email me on zoediscovers at gmail.com. You can also message me on Instagram on either at zoediscovers or at Zoe Discovers NK. I always answer all my DMs, so um, feel free to leave me a message there, even if it's just giving me some feedback, whether it be nice or nasty, but please keep it constructive. Thank you very much and come back next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.